so cool, I think, that we're in subvert, isn't it? I feel like I need more wood chip in my life. Is that what you call that stuff, wood chip? I just, I don't know. I think we should think about that for the next space. It's really cool, uh, the wood chip in here. And I love the idea that we're in subvert, the idea that subvert tries to subvert culture, and we are the church that is subverting subvert. We, right, like right now, we are pretty much the coolest Christians in the country. Do you know what I mean? If, you should, we are. We're, we are in subvert, but we are not playing by the, even by the rules of subvert. We are subverting that for the glory of God and the gospel. It's a, like a brilliant story. So just, you know, enjoy that fact. If, if, you were, if um, we were writing the book of Acts right now, if Dr. Luke was sitting down and writing it, I think our story would make the edit. Do you know what I mean? We'd make the cut. We're in subvert where I think it feels, as, as Paul said, where, where God really wants us. So, and, and I would encourage you as well, uh, keep coming along, keep sharing with us. Uh, the services are going to be shorter, so keep bringing your kids. I'm going to speak um, until my kids look completely disinterested. That's going to be my gauge. We might be there already, but we'll keep going. Okay, Psalm 112. One of the things we've learned about the Psalms along the way is, is their, their approach that they're trying to take is that they're really making a beeline for our emotions, for, for our hearts. That's, that's where they're coming from. And we remember that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's all got its own little agenda and way, way that it's trying to get into us. But the Psalms sort of avoid all the traffic going that way, and they're going to get right to here. They, they want us to know and care, and feel, and be moved about stuff, don't they? One of my favorite things about the arts, when I say the arts, I mean movies, really, I talk about the arts, about the, about the arts and theater, is the way that they can transport you from indifference, from being like not really bothered at all, to being impassioned and informed about something. I love, I love that somewhere tonight, Thousands of guys will just collapse on the couch and just, and just, they've really just sat there because, because they like Will Smith and they like sitting down. That's, that's what they like to do. And they'll sit there and because of the score of the film, you know, the music that sits underneath it, because of the storyline and because of the cool actors and the narrative and the way it's edited, they'll come away just completely moved. They'll, just, they'll have some passion for the civil rights movement in America or something like that. You know, you, sit, you know that way you sit down and watch a film, you've not really thought about it, you just happen to be in front of the telly, and then you come away and you want to tell somebody about it. He's like, man, this has really moved my soul, and it's moved you in there. I think the Psalms are God's way of doing that. I think God tells us through the Psalms, I'm not happy just to sit there and watch you just tiptoe your way through life. I want you to care about stuff. I want you to be impassioned about stuff. I, want to, I think sometimes, I wonder if God looks at us, and when I read the Psalms, I think this, and he just sees that we grasp in a tiny way. This is, this is where I think we're going with this Psalm. We've grasped a few things in a tiny way, and God wants to really stretch more, and for us to think about that more deeply. So here's the two things that God wants us to think about. So listen up. There's, there's two things we're going to work through, and probably more to help me than to help you, but two things. If there's a God, we'll try and answer these questions. What things that I do are really worthwhile? Think about that for a second. If there's a God who created everything, who watches over us, who's going to wrap everything up, who doesn't miss a trick, if, there's, if there is a God, what are the things that I do are really worthwhile? And I reckon, I'm going to look around, I reckon every now and again we get to that place. We, we might not phrase it like that. You know, If you're not a Christian, you might not think, 
It's about if there's a God. But every now and again, you reflect on your job or you reflect on kind of what you're doing in your life and you think, is this really, is this really worthwhile? Is this nine to five? This thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life, is that a worthwhile thing to do? Every now and again, we get to this place. And I think this psalm wants us to go, I want you to have a sleepless night about the things that you do. And I want you to really think about what is worthwhile. That's the first thing. Second thing, so if there's a God, what things that I do are really worthwhile? Hold that. If there's a God, what does it mean to be blessed? If there's a God, what does it mean to be blessed? It's about blessing, is this psalm. And the idea of blessing, let's just explore it for a second. It's hashtag blessed. It amazes me in a world, in a, in a culture in the West that is post-Christian in that sense, that has said, by and large, we don't think there's a God that uses this expression, blessing, uses it all the time. It's everywhere. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, that, that we can forget about God, and yet we have this idea of blessing. So we, we think that the universe can orchestrate itself in such a way as to bring favor to one person. But as a culture, we kind of don't believe in God. You know, by and large, we kind of think he might be there. But the idea of blessing, that, that, that sort of the cult, you know, that the universe can orchestrate, orchestrate itself in such a way as to find favor on person, we kind of roll with that. So let's, let's think about what blessing is. So I've looked in the biggest, most impressive books that I've got for a couple of quotes, and then I've gone to Twitter. So we're going to experience both ends of what blessing is, just to give us a perspective. So here's, here's what the Oxford English Dictionary says that blessing is. It's when we are made holy, listen to the high language of this, and, and feel the gravitas of this sentence. We are made holy, consecrated, or endowed with divine favor. That's what it means to be blessed. So hold on to that. It's deep, and it's, it's all about God. Hold on to that. Here's what Wayne Grudem says. So if you study theology, if you go to any college, they make you read the Wayne Grudem book. It's just the biggest theological book in the, in the whole world. So I thought, this is going to be a pretty good answer. So Wayne Grudem says that being blessed is the doctrine that God delights fully in himself and in all that reflects his character. So as we reflect something of God, we experience blessing. It's deep stuff, isn't it? Right, let's have a look at what Twitter says. So I went, so I've just picked off, these were off the, the first five. These are number one and number five. I went hashtagged Twitter in my phone. Here's what came up. Here's the first one. Came home today after a really long day to find my wife had left me butter, pecan ice cream in the freezer and this fur ball, and there's a picture of himself with a cat on the couch. Hashtag blessed. So we've got the high view of, of what God's doing in the world and then this guy that has access to ice cream and a cat and says, hashtag blessed. So let's think that through. Is that, is that blessing? Is that what blessing is? I guess, I guess his wife loves him. He's got a wife. That's a blessing. He's got a wife who loves him. That's a blessing. She's brought him, Proverbs 31, food from afar, really, with the fancy ice cream. So he's kind of blessed. And it's nice to have a cat. In a sense, he's fulfilling God's creation in that he's looking after the animals. So he's blessed. But it feels a pretty small sense of blessing, doesn't it? This is another one. So this was number five. So I didn't doctor these. These are just how they came up. Hashtag blessed. My dermatologist 
I didn't know what that was. I had to find that out. My dermatologist gave me zit cream so strong that even cracking the tube dries up my entire face. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> That's brilliant. Now, I can, I can empathize with that person. I had pretty bad zits when I was a kid. So the idea that, that there's a wonder cure out there for this is pretty awesome. Do you know what I mean? And I think, yeah, maybe, maybe that's blessed. And so this, is, this little review is not a beat up on social media. And it's not a beat up on hashtag blessed. Because it's kind of good. It's kind of good that somewhere out there in the online world that God is getting some credit here. That people are thinking, oh, this is you know, that, that, that sort of language is out there. I kind of like, like that. But our perception of what, of the blessing of God is so, I think, dangerously small that we're going to find ourselves in big trouble. I say that because if we, just, if we just understand blessing as a term that describes, and this is God's blessing, if we just understand God's blessing as a term that describes when things are going quite well, what happens when things don't go well? What happens, what happens when the relationship breaks down? What happens when it rains every time you go on holiday? There's no selfies. What happens when the cancer comes back? What happens to your view of God then? So we need to look at this psalm to keep ourselves on track with God. And we need to really find out what God's saying blessing is. Because I think on one level, yes, it's when the sun's out and it's when you're on holiday and you look at your kids and you go, oh man, this is awesome. And, you, and you're like me, you take the photograph. It's that, but it is so much more than that. Psalm 112, let's ask the question, what's a blessed person? You can pop the text up. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, so you've got this idea of what it is to be blessed. The sermon is, I'm just going to tell you two ways that I think God wants us to stretch that. That God wants us to go, oh man, I thought I knew blessing. I thought I'd kind of got my head around that, but it's so much more than that. So there's just two simple ways. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. And immediately I'm reading that through and you're saying, that, Ash, that's, we, that's, that's already how I see blessed. You're not telling me anything, you're not telling me anything new here. And you can, almost, you can almost see the selfie of this guy going out, can't you? It's a sunny day, the guy's got a big car, he's got great teeth and fine hair, you know, all his kids are there looking great, they're all off to unit. It's that sort of sense of everything is going well for this guy. And you, you're looking at me like, Ash, I thought you were going to tell us something new about blessing. Actually, it's even more stereotypical than that. If you read, if you dig away at the root meaning for these words, so I dug out my old KG, KJV. So the, the NIV, the version that's up there, has kind of taken a gender-neutral, bit more soft approach. If you read around at what the original version said, it says this, blessed is the man. It's like it's about the dude. It's like the idea of the big dude, great-looking guy, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. This is the most I've enjoyed reading the KJV in a long time. It gave me a warm buzz inside my heart. Blessed is the man who feareth the Lord. And this, I think it's verse two, if you're in the KJV, it's an awesome verse. His seed, his seed, shall be mighty upon the earth. So he's like projecting this guy, it's like a, like a stewed. 
you know what I mean? You see, the idea that he'll just like take a stance like that. Blessed is the man, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. And you're saying that's just, that's the kind of idea of blessing that I've already got. And if you kind of read this psalm on a tertiary level, if you just like flick through it, you might just gloss over it and you go, okay, that's what blessing is. It's when everything's going great. That's not where the story ends and that's not what the psalm's about. Read on verse four. Now we get to the meaning of the psalm. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Verse six, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look on in triumph on their foes. You see, the blessed man, the blessed man, the stewed that this, guy, that this psalm is representing, doesn't have the rosy life that we think the blessing is. The blessing here is that this guy's got enemies. This guy's got troubles. This guy's got fears. This guy copes with bad news all the time. The mighty seed that we talked about is not his present reality. That's not how it is. It's his future hope. He sings of it. He talks of it in times of trouble. That is what blessing is. Not that it's all rosy all the time, hashtag blessed. But that because we know who God is, even in the hardest of times, we can see light at the end of the tunnel. We can have hope. In every sort of circumstance life would throw at you lot, we have hope. And it gives us this really awesome picture. If you take any picture away from this chat, take, the, take verse 4 away. Take verse 4 and imagine it in your head. This is our blessing as God's people. It says, even, even in darkness... Light dawns for the upright. Even, this is what blessing is. Not that it's all rosy, but that even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Knowing that the morning comes affects everything about the night, doesn't it? Knowing that morning's going to come and it gives us this awesome picture. And I had it this morning as I got up. I didn't want to get up this morning. Didn't sleep great. I was absolutely shattered but the sunshine was up and there was a ray of light at dawn that cut across my room. And that changed everything because I wanted to go back to sleep. I wanted to pull the covers up. I wanted to dwell in the darkness, but the fact that this ray of light was cutting across my room meant that I had to change my way of thinking. It meant that outside, that massive sun had come up and there was light everywhere. It's just that in my bedroom, it was dark. This is the blessing we've got as God's people. It's that we've seen that light. And in seeing that light, we know that we have real hope. And from this side of the cross, looking back at the psalm, we can say, yeah, I know what that light is. I've seen Christ. I've seen that he's good. In fact, I've seen that he's perfect. And I know deep down in my soul that when I look at him, it means that there is more, that there is so much more. And that much more that Christ points to means that even though my week's going to be shocking, 
even though I might, I might not be able to face the next five minutes, even though I can't think in front about my career because I don't like it, or whatever illnesses that face us in the future, or whatever dramas come our way, we have seen that light. And for those people that follow him, that light will remain, and we will always have hope. And that is what blessing is. That's the first thing. It's not just when it's rosy. It's the fact that in all circumstances of life, we see that light and we have hope. That's the first thing. The second blessing. It's an odd turn of phrase. The second blessing. Blessing is the good life you're able to live knowing that God is going to pick you up. This is the second thing. So read through verse 5 with me. God will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely their righteousness will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. Verse 9. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. See what, this, see what the blessing is for this person? See why they are blessed? Initially, you look at it, I think, I don't know why giving all your stuff away is a blessing. The blessed person acts in kindness without, you know, and he's acting in bad times. There's bad circumstances around him, and he's acting in kindness, and he doesn't really know what's going to become of his kind actions, but he's acting, doing that anyway, because he's got hope in God that he will lift him up. Or you could switch it around the other way. Because he's got hope in God, he's got liberty to be kind. Because he looks at his future and he goes, I know what's going to happen at the end. That changes everything for how he acts now. And it's kind of a lovely, a lovely way that we can think about the liberty that we've got in Christ. Because we know it's going to end well, we can live with a joy of not needing to hang on to all our stuff, not worrying about the next day, not worrying about this and that, because we've got certainty of what's coming at the end. I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm not a bit of a, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac now. I was a lot of a hypochondriac for a while. It was pretty awkward for a little while, wasn't it? And I would, a couple of times I remember in my life, I'd, I'd be off to the docks and I'd, I'm thinking, I'm, this is me. They're going to tell me I'm dying. And I'd, I, over and over, <laughs> over and over again, I get that. And then I'd look the doc in the face and he'd, and he'd want to say, you're an idiot. But he'd say to me, it's nothing. It's nothing. A couple of times I was just really, really worried he'd say, it's nothing. And I shot home with the reprieve. And as I'm driving back in the car, the joy that's in my soul, because I know things are going to be all right in the end, I'm like, I'm going to nick to KFC. I'm going to get the kids a KFC. In fact, I'm going to get the kids all a treat. In fact, I'm going to go and spend all my money on that. And I just had this inner joy because somebody had told me, right, it's going to work out okay in the end. That's the blessing more than that. But that's the kind of blessing that we have in Christ. Our horns, as it says it here, we're going to be lifted up by God at the end of time. That is what's going to happen to us. Gives me a real incentive. See the actions of the blessed man? Has, lots, has his stuff, whatever stuff he has, gives it all away. Gives us a real incentive, knowing that that is our blessing, to give God every reason to want to lift us up, doesn't it? If, if God's the person that's going to lift you up, do you know how the storyline of our lives is often, how do we just get a bit higher than the next guy? Do you ever have that when you're having a conversation with somebody? You just... Whenever they say something, you think, oh, I just need to, I can't, I can't even help but say something that's a bit better. Or you see the guy who's got a slightly bigger house than you, or you go around to your neighbor's house and it's a bit better than yours, and you're thinking, I really ought to do this with my house. And you know, life can often be like that, that sort of chase. 
And yet this passage gives us such a reason to go, oh, just forget that. God's going to lift me up in the end. He's going to pull me up. He's going to exalt me. I, I can't get any higher than that. And here's what I, what I thought when I read this through for the first time. Thinking about what it means to be humble. You've got this idea as a Christian that you sort of, I need to figure out what it means to be humble. I reckon the first time we'll get what it means to be humble is when God lifts us, lifts us up in judgment, after judgment, and says, there you go. And we look and we think about all the ways that we've strived all our lives, and yet God will just lift us up. And we go, man, I don't deserve this. Man, I'm a wreck, and we'll get what humility is. That's what it means to live in blessing, those two things. And maybe you say to me, you think, that sounds idyllic, Ash. I get that. That sounds amazing. Being joyfully kind to others because I trust in God, that's awesome. Peace in all circumstances because I trust in God, that's amazing. But I've got to tell you something. See that blessed life you've just described? I, I don't have that. I don't, that's not the reality for me. When, when darkness comes for me, remember this is what you're thinking, when darkness comes for me, actually I'm pretty selfish. Actually, I think I need to get myself up a little bit higher myself. I don't really want to give my stuff away. If it's all good, I might give some of my stuff away then. But when it gets tricky, I don't really want to do that. This blessed life you've talked about, yeah, that's not a reality for me. And you kind of look at that, that text up there and you say to yourself, well, who could live like that? How could we get to that point? Who on earth could, could, could live that blessed life? And it's when you ask that question you begin to realize what this psalm is all about and what we're supposed to do with it. Who, when evil abounds, could remain good? Who could do that? Which one of us could get to that point? Who, when the world is really dark, when it's really rubbish, when everything is against you, could be a light? Which one of us could be that light that points other people towards God? Who could do that? And you say to yourself, well, I can do it a bit, but I don't keep it up. Who does good knowing confidently Think about the stewed bit at the start. Who does good knowing confidently that generation after generation after generation will receive blessing? Which of us could do that? And you read that through over and over again. You think, man, I know what this psalm is about now. This is not something I can strive to achieve. This is about a blessed man. It's about Jesus. We can't, we can't get there, the blessed life, with, every, with, with striving all our sinews and all our energies, we're not going to get there. We achieve the blessed life through faith in him, through what we see of him. There's one last key, sort of the key way into the whole psalm, and it's right at the start in verse 1. Gives us gives us our way into that blessing, our way into that relationship with Christ. It's just, a, it's just an awesome heads up when we think about achieving that blessing. Verse one, blessed are those, this is the way into the blessing. Hang on to these two things. See if, you, see if you're doing these, see if you've got these nailed down. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. It's the first thing. Who fear the Lord and who take great delight in his commands. Is that you? You might think, I'm not sure how I feel about fearing God. I'm sure that's not appropriate in this day and age that we fear God. And I can't think of any way that I'm going to get to a point in my Christian life where I take delight in commands. That just seems like it's going to be too hard. The disciples had this same problem. And Jesus, 
walking around with him for those three years, looked at him and he thought, you need to get what it is to fear me. You're going to need to understand this. There's a story in the New Testament that helps us get our heads around it. There's a great storm. That he said, they're all in a boat out on a lake and there's a huge big storm. It's just this violent, crazy, massive storm. And the disciples are terrified. Like like I would be, like I am on a plane, just like absolutely all my days. This is, we're going to die out here, they're terrified. Jesus is asleep, brilliant image. Jesus is just asleep. He's not afraid at all. Disciples go down, they wake him up. Master, we need to do something about this. We're all going to perish here. Jesus comes out and he calms the storm. It's beautiful. The disciples are still terrified, except they're not terrified of the weather anymore. They're terrified at the guy that's just calmed the storm. That is what it means to fear God. You're more scared of the creator than you are of the creation. See, when the disciples witnessed that, they had awe for this guy, and it stayed, and they hung on his every command and took great delight in it. How can you live a blessed life? How can you get to that point where you can experience that kind of blessing, where you cannot, where you cannot need everything to go rosy, where you can just have like just this awesome peace in the midst of trauma and trouble, where you can have the joy of just giving your stuff away. It depends on the awe that you have for the Creator. What is your experience of Him? What did Jesus say blessing was? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Go and be blessed. Stand in awe of God.